0: We're programmed for survival. So our instinct is to give up on these situations to move away from them.
1: I thought if I didn't sign up for that race that I was just
0: going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. This past Monday was International Women's Day, and Athletic Brewing launched a collaboration beer with one of our women brewers, Kara Wilson, and Pink Boot Society called Trailblazer. It's a wonderful beer, a non-alcoholic hoppy lager, and it's available at our website right now, athleticbrewing.com. Check it out because it's not going to last that much longer. What I love about this story is that it's about someone who just decided to take action. They saw a problem and started chasing a solution. Lauren was watching sports one day, noticed that women weren't getting any coverage at all. So she decided to do something about it. In fact, she says that horses that day were getting more coverage than women. Not not jockeys and horse racing, but the horses themselves in races, like, oh, they're just going on and on about these horses. Women, n- nothing mentioned about women's sports. And so... The solution that she came up with was kind of unique, kind of out there, and kind of a, not a publicity stunt, but just a crazy gesture. And it was to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, take a team of women from all around the world, and play an official game of soccer at the summit. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? That's that's awesome. And I'm not talking, you know, kicking around a ball for 20 minutes and, and call it a day. I'm talking an official game, taking official regulation goals, uh, setting up the field, having jerseys, having referees, having, it, it was like a crew, a huge crew to set this up. And, you know, if you've ever climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, you, you probably haven't. Maybe you, there are some folks out there. It's like a week trek to the top. It's not like, hey, we're just going to go up this hill, play a game of soccer and come back down. It is some dedication. There is time that it takes to even get up there. And they're carrying all this equipment on their backs. They're carrying the soccer balls, the jerseys, the goals themselves. Like it was wild. And it really did a, an amazing job of raising awareness for women. And it really was, you know, a gesture to say women can do anything in the, the women's sports need to be recognized and given opportunity. Not only that, it was a Guinness World Record for the highest elevation game to ever be played, and it started a trend of Laura chasing these Guinness World Records to raise awareness for women's sports. The following year, they did the lowest elevation soccer game in the Dead Sea in Jordan, and then they've done two different Guinness World Records in France, involving the most nationalities in a soccer game. And to take it beyond the Guinness World Records, an entire nonprofit was started called Equal Playing Field to make these opportunities more and more possible for women headed up by Lauren and and another interesting tangent that came out of these trips was noticing that women didn't really have specific soccer cleats made for them and so Lauren decided to start a company seeing another problem called Ida Sports that are specifically made for women's feet and they're sold all around the world now so the next time that you think there's a problem that you can't solve or begin to change I think Laura would tell you to start finding a mountain to climb so in honor of the, the week of International Women's Day as well as Women's History Month, uh, we wanted to share this story. And thank you, Mackenzie at Athletic Bruin for making us uh, aware of this. This is an incredible story and I hope you enjoy. Uh, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so I always ask this first. Uh, where are you coming from today? Where And where is home? If it's not, you know, where you're coming from.
1: <laughs> yeah, good question. So I am currently... Beaming in from Amsterdam in the Netherlands.
0: Is that where you grew up?
1: No, but this is where I live now. I I grew up in the UK. So and then I also have lived quite a lot of places around the world, including in Brazil and in Azerbaijan. So um, I have kind of a, a mixed bag accent.
0: Were you? what did you grow up doing? Did you grow up playing a lot of soccer or football or or, or was it other sports? And how did you eventually? come around to soccer?
1: Yeah, I I think, well, I had a very active childhood um, and I used to play soccer or football as uh, we call it, only in the garden really with my cousins and my brother. And I my main kind of sport was I did a lot of ballet and a lot of dancing. I played tennis, pretty much any sport, you name it, and I will have tried it or played, played for the school team. And it wasn't really until I went to university that um some friends were like hey we have a team a football team do you want to come play try out and I was like sure I'll give it a go really enjoyed it um and then it's become (coughs) part of um my life and especially when I've moved around different places it's been such a good anchor I always join a, a football team and get to know people and get to know the language um make some new friends and it's been this really just I've got so much joy out of the sport and out of what it brings To be able to be part of that that squad i guess
0: it's such a beautiful sport in the sense that for someone like you who's traveled and lived in so many places uh you you can always count on there being a a pretty solid fan base there
1: totally and i think even from kind of there's always at least a -a five-a-side team that you can get involved with or in and and the surfaces might change but the game doesn't so i've played on everything from like I guess, cage football in Brazil, which was um, seven aside, but on these cages and you have AstroTurf underneath and then to futsal in Australia, which is a really huge sport and really popular there. And In the Middle East, you you play, they have a lot of 11 aside, but it feels like you're playing, walking through jelly because it's so warm. So it's a real, it's been great to have these different experiences and see see how the game has evolved and taken shape in different places
0: and you've also played uh on mountaintops (laughs) which is kind of what you're (laughs) in a way famous for now which is a place that uh not a lot of people can say they've played so i'd love to hear from you you know here at athletic brewing we are so used to going against the grain pursuing crazy ideas that we, we just resonate with folks like you who also do things like that and also say, you know what, I'm going to go my own way. Tell us what it was like for you with the experience of, of coming up with the idea to play soccer on Kilimanjaro.
1: I think it, it was actually as crazy as it sounds at the beginning. And, I mean, looking back, it's hilarious because I, I literally photoshopped a football pitch onto a picture of the top of Kilimanjaro. And was like, <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Um and so it was, it took a, obviously quite a lot of planning, but I, like early on in the process, having kind of ascertained that, because there were some guys that played a cricket match up there, and I was like, I phoned them up and I was like, hey, so what do you reckon? Could we run? And they were like, yeah, well, we didn't run very much because it's very tiring up there, but yeah, you know, give it a go. Like classic British, like keep calm, carry on. Um, and so we, like, it took a little while to plan, and obviously, the first few people that we encountered were like no way you guys are crazy don't do that you'll die um and then gradually we, we persuaded more and more people to join and be part of the team because you turns out you need quite a lot of people to do something like that so um we ended up like you need two full teams plus substitutes plus referees plus referee substitutes in case the referees don't make it plus like a whole doctor and medical crew um, plus the, the people that know about the rules and the pitch and then coaches and things like that. So we ended up having this really merry band of people from around the world. So we took, I think it was about 35 nationalities with us, which was absolutely incredible. And so we came together with most people had never met anyone else. And in fact, a few, like I was speaking to someone over the last couple of weeks and they were like, yeah, so I didn't know when I was flying to Tanzania, whether this was all a big hoax and I'd just turn up and there'd be no one there to go climb a mountain with. But it, it, it worked out. And I think it was amazing to kind of pull everyone together. And then you had this sense of anticipation of doing something that had never been done before um, and not knowing if it was going to succeed. And I think that was the incredible part.
0: So how did you come up with the idea? Why, why did you do it in the first place?
1: I think, so it it was a kind of a combination of things of a lot of little frustrations of being a female playing football and experiencing some of the kind of, oh, well, they always think about the men's team, but they don't think about the women's team. And and it kind of all built up. Um, I think one of the things I was reading was like, there are more stories about horses than women in the sports pages. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. And also it's not going to change for a while. And I think a number of those thoughts kind of galvanized me at the same time. It's, I was looking around and then I spotted this these people that had played cricket up there. And I was like, wow, wouldn't that be a crazy thing? Like that would show people um, that women can literally do anything if you could go and, and play a match up there. And And maybe it would open a conversation that then – would allow people to to change things and it um it was i think it sort of started from that frustration space but then as soon as everyone else came on board they all brought their own motivations and i think that really is what made it into a a movement that was bigger than just oh i'm angry about this it was actually we've we've got a force here we've got a collective and we can start to um change the agenda and i think that's been the most fascinating kind of outcome of the whole experience is seeing how we can have an impact
0: so it started with you watching tv on your couch and ended up being this international you know uh, endeavor with 60 60 women to play soccer including just all the staff and people carrying equipment and just just all the logistics for you what was the hardest part in taking action because that's something we really strive to do here at athletic is is find a way to start taking action for you wh- what were the early steps and how difficult was it to to just get started
1: so i i think i i have a bias to action and and in some some cases too much so in that i probably should think about things before i i start going for it and so it's almost like i end up halfway down a path and then you start realizing how difficult it is. So I think blind optimism is probably a key, key characteristic of going, you know, (laughs) you know what? a key characteristic. Yeah, exactly. I think this can work Um, and then let's work out the details later. So in terms of actually, like once you start breaking it down, like, yes, it looks on the surface, this incredibly hard challenge. And looking back, I was like, wow, how did we manage this? But actually you break it down and you start finding collaborators. And I, and I think it's really worth mentioning this because you can't do anything alone. And one of the things I've learned on this journey and also the IDA journey is that you have to ask for help and people are often very willing to help you. And you ask questions and you, like some of the hardest stuff was actually getting the goals um, up to the top of the pitch, which um, you sort of go, oh yeah, we do need goals to play soccer, right? Um, and I ended up like the goals are a whole story in themselves. I ended up driving them. They look like they're in body bags. Um, and I was driving them to the, this depot to get them on a flight. And then they got stuck in customs. And then we didn't know whether we were going to have them. And eventually they arrived the day before the match was used to be played. And it's all these, like, that's just one example of all the different pieces that had to come together that. Ultimately, I think we ended up with, we were very lucky, ended up with quite a lot of, Uh, lucky things that happened um but also that we'd put in the hard work and the groundwork to make sure that we were covered on contingencies and we knew that like we had some great doctors with us so that if we had any issues they were there ready to to help out the players so yeah it is a challenge but I think once you've set your mind on doing something then it's it's really just working out the ways that other people can help you to achieve that goal
0: Tell us about the women that played in the game. Where where did they come from? And, and how many again? 60 total?
1: Yeah, we had about 60. Um, and some men and women as, as well. So men, there were a lot of guys that were helping with the um, film crew. And um, we had a brilliant doctor, Dr. Dana, who is... He also worked for NASA and he's currently just spent the coronavirus pandemic in an ER in um, New York. Just what a magnificent person who made us feel really, really at home and really welcome um, in, on the mountain. Um, so yeah, these women are amazing. They've come from all over the world. So um, there's Jasmine who lives in Los Angeles and used to play professional uh, football in Brazil and uh, is a single mom and she would left her four-year-old at the time at home when she came up the mountain and she was kind of climbing for all of the women who, who are mums who have these struggles and she'd played professional football but hadn't necessarily made any money off it hadn't had any good, like the contracts that she'd been offered um turned out to be kind of not legitimate and things like that. So she had her, her whole story and she was now coaching coaching women and girls. And then on the other side, um, Rasha and Saja who came from Saudi Arabia who were climbing. And at that point the there was, football just wasn't really an option in Saudi Arabia and there was no national team, there was no backing. And we've seen even in the last four years, a lot of that has changed. And um, there is now kind of pathways and opportunities for girls to play. Um, but I really like, there are so many incredible women that I, we'd probably spend the entire podcast talking about everyone.
0: I can only imagine. And, and, and the interesting thing is you got to know them as well, going up the mountain because it was a week just to get to where you were playing the game. That's right. I mean, that's a long time to be climbing (laughs) a mountain. (laughs) That's a long time to think a lot of things to make sure go right. And a lot of time to really question what the heck am I doing? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i know i think it was the good thing was as soon as we all met up we knew we'd do it and i think there was no question of failure um because the whole groups got together and there were just this like badass women from around the world who were all like no we're gonna do it like we have to but we we took the decision that we'd spend a bit longer climbing the mountain because it made it more likely that more people would reach the top and so we had this I'd like to say leisurely uh, stroll up the mountain, but it was still pretty tough. Um, but also there's no phone signal. And so one of the, the best parts, I think, of the whole trip was actually everyone had to talk to each other. And as a result of that, we spent a lot of time really getting to know everyone's stories and, and their motivations for climbing, but also what they're planning to do and and kind of what drives them and how they fit in into the bigger ecosystem of women's sport and really where, where we can have an even bigger impact. Because I think at the beginning when we were climbing, we just thought it would be a bit of a one-off. But we realized as soon as we, we made it and come down that actually there was an opportunity to... Everyone was kind of asking, well, what's next? Because um, they felt so connected to what we were able to do.
0: Well, that leads me to ask, you know, it, it's one thing. Climb a mountain for a lot of people. This is the adventure. This is the challenge is climbing a mountain to to play a game of soccer. But for you, it was literally the beginning. What is it like for you to 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 go beyond that to achieve the ultimate goal of what you're trying to do?
1: I think what's been amazing is as I said, like before we climbed the mountain, like literally no one really knew about us, no one really cared. And then we we knew that we were on something kind of halfway up because we'd been on CNN and some other people that were climbing were were walking past and they were like oh my god you're the women that are gonna go and break that like soccer world record and we were like oh wow yeah that's us we're gonna do it Um, and it was then that we started to see that actually there there could be a longevity and there could be a movement that's created out of this. And it really came then from the, the, okay, well, what's next and what's the impact we can have? And we realized that we had a platform upon which we could tell stories, but also women can tell stories in their own words um, and 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 start working together to, to fight the, um, I guess the systems In their own countries and some of the inequalities they're experiencing because across the world it's interesting how similar a lot of the challenges everyone was facing to a greater or lesser extent and just finding that group of people um and realizing you're not alone there are other people who are the only female coach in that area and connecting those people meant so much and that's been I mean, that's been one of the biggest things is creating this network upon which you can call um, to start solving some of the challenges that you're facing. Can
0: can you tell a story about what this climb up this mountain did for an individual or for a community um, after the fact that that, that made you realize, you know, I I know you didn't question it before this, but but really also just helped confirm, this is what I needed to do.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the most curious stories is a lady called Deepa who's from Nepal who like the Nepalese Football Association wouldn't let her we don't invited her to come to Kilimanjaro and they wouldn't let her come and so she essentially absconded from the army and just joined us in Tanzania and we were like wow this is amazing!" Didn't speak much English. So we had this um, incredible uh, communication where we'd use uh, like text emojis to to kind of talk about the day and talk about what she was feeling and and what we wanted to eat and stuff like that. And I think one of the things that I didn't realise is kind of the impact it would have when she went back to Nepal. And she was kind of front page news. So the fact that she'd come with us and got this world record, it just immediately... She was able to use that to raise the profile of women's sport. And I think now she's um, one of the football kind of like match commissioners, the people that oversee the matches. She's doing so much for the national team and for the national leagues. And I think it, she's been able to use it as kind of a way to then open doors and, and challenge some of the misconceptions in Nepalese society. So it's, it's stories like this that I've you only really find like three or four years later now, it is that we're starting to hear, again, like a story of someone who this, this trip has had a profound impact on um, and then they've changed their life. I think one of the biggest things is almost everyone either got a promotion or changed their job or or took a step up in some shape or form and just that confidence from having done something like this that was incredibly hard and, and very difficult to achieve really changed how a lot of people approach
0: the world. I, I remember watching you say in one of the videos about the experience that it makes you feel like you can do anything now. Yeah. And that that translates to the next interview you have, the next job you have, or coming home and, you know, shooting for your next goal. That's incredible. Yeah.
1: It's, and, and also, yeah, I think when you look back I kind of tried to bottle that feeling of, well, this is what I can achieve when I put my mind to it. Uh, and it, it's quite remarkable really. And and it's that, well, why why don't you try and do something hard? Because even if you fail, you'll have brought so many people along the journey that one of them is gonna succeed. And I think that's where I've perhaps seen the broader mission of what we're doing, that even by standing up and attempting to do something it inspires other people to to have a go as well
0: it's something that's that that you hear and that you might say yeah that's true but until you experience it it's uh it's hard to know like know in your heart but for you to have taken the action from your couch (laughs) to sit you know be on top of of Kilimanjaro playing a game of soccer is just unbelievable what, what was the elevation can you tell us that
1: Yeah, it was, um, I can't remember what it is in feet. And I know you guys do feet, but um, 5,715 meters. So yeah, there's like, it's about 18,000, something like this. And it's just below the the summit. There's a crater, like a volcanic lava crater. Um, So you're playing in black sand. But the the brilliant thing for me is, so you do this horrible climb where you start at like midnight, 1am, and it's pretty much vertical and everyone was hating it and they were all going past each other kind of giving high fives like you can do this and they're going past me going i hate you why have you brought me <laughs> um and we we got to the 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 first bit where you you pop into the crater and um everyone was kind of so relieved and the the sun had come up and it was dawn and that was amazing and for me just i came over that rise and i saw cuz the team had been there a bit before building the pitch And I saw them kind of setting up and I was just, I had this sense of relief of like, well, we're gonna do it now because it was, it was all the pieces were in place. And I think before it had been kind of like, oh my God, are we gonna get the goals? How's this working? What if so-and-so sick? All of these kind of worries. And then by the time we, we reached this crater, I knew for certain that the, like the whole group that we were with, they would just make it happen. And And that we almost had the record in the bag even before we'd played because the right ingredients were there
0: so if it's if it's you know a little over eighteen thousand feet in the story you told about the individual that lives in Nepal, I don't know if you are ever shooting for a second iteration of this, but there's a there's a mountain in Nepal that's much, much taller than Kilimanjaro, and uh <laughs>
1: Funnily enough, I don't know if
0: a a soccer game on Everest is ever in the in the works.
1: Oh, there might be. I have. There's also I there's one in South America that I've got my eye on um, that would indeed break our record. Um, And I feel like that could be a nice symmetry Like we have. We've got on this bit of a world record breaking habit or spree. And I, I sense that that could be a nice ending to our to our project where we go and break our own record and then retire.
0: It's not about the record. It is about the record, but it's not. It's about raising, you know, elevating. You literally achieved your goal of elevating these these women It, it just a ne- the next tier up in their career or in, you know, some sort of government or role in the sport, creating, getting closer and closer to equality.
1: I think that's it. it you've hit the nail on the head. It's It's about the record, but it's so much more than the record. The record is is the mechanism or the vehicle to start the conversation. And I think that's, that's always the way we've, we've looked at kind of how can you get more people to think about this and, and perhaps change mindsets so that like the, the kids of today don't have to have these same struggles. They can just get on and play.
0: Speaking of playing, um, after this experience, it led you to, uh, to Ida Sports co-founding Ida Sports. Can you can you tell us about that? What is different about Ida Sports? What do you do and uh the goal. What is the goal of Ida Sports?
1: Yeah, so um I always hate wearing kids boots when I play soccer and I have to because I have I'd say like normal feet but in the industry class was small and um, on the mountain, I actually got to chat to a lot of these professional players who played U.S. women's national team, been to the Olympics, that sort of thing. And I realized that they're all wearing men's and kids' boots as well. And I was like, wow, this is dumb. And I went home and kind of researched in the medical journals and realized that men's and women's feet are different, which firstly blew my mind. And then looked around and looked at the bigger brands which weren't doing it um, and kind of looked at the fact that women were still really treated as second-class citizens when it comes to equipment and professional equipment. And so uh, set out to make a shoe um, and make make a shoe company. And so I cooked up the first shoe in my kitchen, which I feel like I followed the shoe dog Bible. Um, Make shoe in kitchen, tick, sell shoe out of back of car, tick. Um, You know, it's 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 really how it's happening, and and from that kind of beginning, essentially, I've, I've made a women's soccer cleat um, and brought it to market. And we're now kind of we started in Australia, and now we're exporting into the U.S. and into the U.K. and really changing the the narrative on women's sport. And I think in a similar way to the the world records, it's it's about a shoe, but it's also about so much more. And it's about can you change a system that currently uh, has sports stores that have men's and kids sections and those sections for women. Can you change um, design principles so that you actually, instead of taking a shoe and doing what the industry does, which is shrink it and pink it, can you talk talk about inclusive design and start designing with the customers in mind and, and with these players in mind? So yeah, from, from the mountain, it's sort of given birth to this, um, this entire shoe company, which is definitely not the way I thought my life would go, for sure.
0: Tell us about some of the challenges with with changing the perception now in in a merchandising world. You know, it's it, it's one thing like we mentioned before to climb a mountain, this amazing adventure. It's fun. Fighting in the in the, in the world of of merchandise and apparel is uh, it's got to be a totally different animal all altogether. Tell us about how you maintain the the drive to keep pushing forward yeah.
1: i think what's been fascinating with this whole experience is the i've a couple of years thinking i was crazy for it, seeing that men's and women's feet were different and being like hey guys i think we should have a women's shoe and and yet all the signs from the bigger brands were telling me that it shouldn't exist so unisex sizing well our shoes are unisex which means everyone can wear them and looking at um what there was already on the market. And it wasn't until we really spent a lot of time with players and listening to their problems and listening to what they want, that I was then became pretty confident that actually we're ahead of the curve. And what we're seeing and what we're experiencing is there is there is a real need for it and that players want this. And I guess that the brands haven't haven't really catered to this market, that market's been underserved and, Underrepresented for a long time. So, I think one of the biggest challenges is actually education of players themselves. So, often women are like, Yeah, well, this is just what football boots feel like. It's they're supposed to be uncomfy, right? And you're like, No, actually, football boots can be incredibly comfy. And it's that you've probably just got normal feet, but you're putting them into a, a shoe that's made for an entirely different body type. So, there's been a lot of um, kind of definitely a lot of resistance from the market for sure. Um, And from some of the retailers, although some of them are really, they get it and they understand that women want other products. But I think the thing that I saw was that this revolution that we'd experienced in running and running shoes really hadn't translated to other team sports and turf sports. And so there's just this gap in the market and, and, well, for me, it makes good economic sense, but it's also like the right thing to do. So being able to build a business in this space is really, really rewarding um, as well.
0: I can't tell you how much how 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 much we hear that phrase here at Athletic it, it, Non-Alcoholic Beer. Who would have ever thought? You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it, it's it's you're exactly doing the, You're doing the exact same thing just in the world that, you know, in the world that you're passionate about that's so cool it's so great to know we're not the only crazy ones out there
1: for sure for sure um and it's nice when people start to cotton on and you're like yes and you resist the urge to do i told you so um you just show them your your revenues and that's fine but it's (laughs) it's i think you're totally right the um the non-alcoholic world that there's a lot of prejudice um from people who who think it has to be one or the other whereas I think a lot of people are looking for a product like this and and you can just, yeah, ignore what the market says and or the, sorry, like the traditional industry, ignore what traditional industry says and focus on your customers because they're the ones that are the most important.
0: They're buying the products. It's what they want. Um, That's it. If you don't mind, I'd love to move into the rapid fire round. Sure. Here we go. Rapid fire number one. What would you say you're most curious about right now outside of outside of your career?
1: Whoa, that's a good one. Like pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> hey, Just there, a
0: curious person, huh?
1: Yeah, very much so. If I was gonna give you like a a, a little snippet into what I'm curious about right now. So I'm learning loads about um, systems thinking. So how we are interconnected and, and looking at things like, um, there's an amazing lady from the US called Donella Meadows who was one of the foremost pioneers of the fact that um, the earth can't hold, like there are limits to growth, right? We shouldn't be chasing growth at all costs because the earth doesn't have those kind of resources. So one of the things I'm really keen on understanding is how do we fit into this system and how do we make a system that fits for all? So looking at that, but on the other side, um, most recently i have been doing some like projects like distressing copper so how how do those chemical processes take place and understanding what it is that you can use to create beautiful artwork and um, how you can turn that into kind of something that's in your house and then I've been cutting up shoes again which is seems to be a bit of a habit of mine because um, I'm really curious as to what what they've put in our shoes um and understanding understanding the construction and how they're made so honestly i i just love learning if there's something to kind of figure out i normally spend a weekend going down a wormhole of of deep knowledge and i i'm sure it's going to be useful in the future all, all things are kind of useful but it, it is fun to learn lots of new stuff
0: really great answer I love it. Makes you feel better about being a, a type B, yeah, non specialized person. So, yeah. All right. So, so what's your proudest achievement outside of outside of what we've been talking about, what you're doing with work, and and also the climb?
1: I think uh, so. I had a son about eight, uh, sixteen months ago, and um, really, I didn't expect him to have such a massive impact. And everyone tells you that they they will, but it, it's he's been such a joy um to kind of see grow up and um has really fundamentally changed how I see the world and like how he gets excited by things that are new and I'm like oh wow I never even thought about the world like that and it's just been so cool to to experience that with him and and I'm I'm actually really excited to see what what he'll do Um, I have a, a genuine deep curiosity for for watching him grow up and understand the world.
0: Wow, this is this is a great conversation. I, I have a twenty-month-old son as well, um, and same thing. I, I was apprehensive, you know, like oh gosh, am I am I going to be yeah. me anymore? And yeah. uh, I have been a little bit dumbfounded by how much I enjoy it. There's no question, it, you know,
1: it's definitely added something to my life that I didn't know I was missing. I think that's the only way I can really describe it. That. I thought it would be a subtractive or reductive experience but it's been so additive. It's um it's it's just brought a beautiful little bit of chaos. And it hilarity. I I find him hilarious. He sits in a drawer and shuts himself in it. Like who would do that? You know. He sticks like random clothing on his head. And you're like, "Oh, mate, what are you doing?" It's brilliant.
0: That is so. That is awesome. It's so good to hear too. You know, I don't know if you don't know if this experience is universal or what, but you're mm-hmm. it, you're very quotable. You say a lot of little things that I'm like, oh, I got to remember that. That's great.
1: Do you like, want to hear a really funny one? Sure. Um, we made a film on Kilimanjaro, and it's just in the process of getting released and distributed. But one of the funniest things was I got interviewed just after the match, and I only found this out like the day later when they were like. Hey, we're going to do a little interview with you. Now, don't worry about whatever you said yesterday. We'll just take some new quotes. And I was like, Did we chat yesterday? And they were like, Yeah, straight after the match. And I was like, Oh, anyway, turns out I was like super out of it. That like high altitude, I was like, I was a space cadet. And basically, there's this great footage of me. And I'm like, at the top of the mountain, they're like, Tell us about it, how it was. And I was like, You've just, you've just got to dream big and live bigger. (laughs) <laughs> wow. it's this, like hilarious slogan that i don't even remember saying so.
0: that's really good i i've never i've never heard it um rapid fire number three this might be obvious this might not be i want to hear from you biggest goal not yet achieved
1: oh so many goals um today's goal is that i saw that ESA, the european space agency is opening applications to be an astronaut so Hey, you got to apply to that. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be an astronaut, right? Um, yeah, that's that's today's goal. But I think big goals for me, my dreams just keep getting bigger. So each time I do something, I'm like, whoa, maybe we could do this instead. So I don't know, something pretty wild. But I'm open to them getting crazier dreams.
0: You don't know what it is yet, but it, you're open to just dreaming as big yeah. as possible and living bigger, apparently. So uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So so number four, do you have a hobby that folks don't know about? I might have should have asked this with the other question, but do you have a hobby that you pursue that you don't really talk about or share that you have?
1: I do actually do a lot of woodworking, which... Um, sounds a bit grandma-ish but I really enjoy it and it steps me away from a computer and I each year I kind of have one project that I work on so one year I built a desk and one year I last year I built some coat hooks which took literally the entire year to build because it was a slow process with a kid but um, th- I really enjoy being able to create something from nothing so I'm always picking up little tree stumps and things to kind of sand them into beautiful beautiful pieces of furniture
0: to wrap it all up you know our our, our slogan here at athletic brewing is brew without compromise because that's what it takes that's what it takes to succeed as a non-alcoholic brewery you have to be just at your best all the time to even try attempt to make it and for you it's the same way what does it mean to you to live without compromise
1: so I I will answer that in a minute, but all I can think of right now is the best pun, which is you guys are brew without compromise, and maybe Ida is shoe without compromise.
0: There <laughs> you go. Shoe
1: we exist on puns and gifts in our company. Um no, I, I think <laughs> living without compromise, I think you're pursuing you're pursuing goals, not at the detriment of other people, but perhaps in the face of challenges and criticism and knowing that it's it is the right thing to do and and kind of pulling the the world and the market to your point of view and understanding that you can make the world a better place um it's it's pursuing something in the face of resistance and i think the more you do it the more people rally to your cause and you start to see that together you can make a make a big difference and without compromising your values and your ideals.
0: Holy cow, I hope you're a little bit more inspired now to tackle some of the problems in your life or some of the problems that you see around the world. And if you'd like to learn more about Laura, check out Ida Sports at idasports.co as well as equalplayingfield.com. Both of those are in the show notes. And if you'd like to learn more about our beer and Trailblazer, the Women's International Day beer, check out athleticbrewing.com you should find all our beers there free shipping on two six packs or more